Welcome to the newest edition of the Screenfellows Podcast. My name is Carlos. And I'm Ozzy. In this episode, we will review Birth of a Nation and The Girl on a Train, as well as discuss the new Netflix Marvel show, Luke Cage, and recap this week's episode of Star Wars Rebels. Enjoy the show. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Ozzy, how are you doing? <sighs> you know, it's it's been a long week, um, you know, so, you know, hanging in there. Dude, how you been, doing, bro? It's actually been a while since we've had an episode at this point. Um, yeah, man, we've been going through some, you know, Hurricane, yeah. Hurricane Matthew swept in. Yeah, we should probably um, address that now. Um, you probably have noticed, if you're listening to this, that we didn't have a Saturday episode for you, but that was because of the hurricane, first of all, and then... We lost power when we tried to record the second time, and then we had technical difficulties with Ozzy's computer the third time, so it was just a disaster, and we decided, let's just push this episode off, and that's what we did, and we're sorry, but we'll make it up for you with a jam-packed episode (laughs) this time. We got two movie reviews and an entire series recap, so, and obviously our Rebels recap, and then you also notice we don't have our Westworld recap in this episode that will be coming in our next episode, so be on the lookout for that as well. Um, and also, real quick, I want to plug right off the top, we have an awesome new YouTube video. If you haven't seen it, go subscribe to our YouTube channel and check it out. Um, it is Bob and Miles being absolutely hilarious once again, so definitely check that out and be sure to subscribe to that. Um, Ozzy, what have you been doing in this long absence? I have been watching movies and watching shows. I actually just got, I actually binge watch The Ranch. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I finished, I finished Luke Cage and, and, uh, I just started watching that 70s show. I mean, I watched a few episodes, but I haven't <laughs> yeah. really watched it all the way through. Oh, that's only show. So that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, I just haven't, like, I've watched, like, a, I've watched, like, a lot of episodes. I just haven't really watched it all the way through, mm-hmm. to, through the end. So, uh, I'm just, just, I said screw oh, it. Yeah. So I might. I'm just watching a few episodes of that right now. Um, I think this is a discussion that could be had on the podcast at some point down the line, and Bob would definitely be on this episode because he would get passionate about it. Um, that '70s show is my favorite sitcom ever. Period. I love that show. It's great. Um, but we'll have that discussion one of these days. All right, you want to get to Birth of a Nation? Let's do it, man. All right. Um, this is a movie that. Did not make much money at the box office it's in its opening weekend, and that's partially probably due to, number one, the subject matter. It's a rough subject matter. Number two, lots of controversy surrounding its creator. So we're going to stay away from all of that, but we're going to try to stick to the movie itself. Um, Ozzy, what did you think of Birth of a Nation? Um, I, I actually really liked the movie. I think the movie was... Uh... I thought the movie was well shot for the most part. Um, I thought it was well acted, and um, I, I did have some problems with the movie, which which brought it down for me. But I think oh, yeah. the movie was overall good. O- overall, um, I didn't know what kind of expectations to have going into this because um, 
it got a lot of a lot of early buzz when it um, came out in um, Sundance this year. It was people were talking about this like it was a surefire Oscar nominee. Um, bet the people were saying best picture, best director, best actor, best act, like all of that stuff. It got so much buzz when it came out, and then it sort of died down. And then, of course, as the controversies started coming back up with Nate Parker, who wrote it, directed, and starred in it. It kind of died down, and I didn't know if it was because of all that controversy or because people were realizing that the movie was good, just not amazing, like it was being touted. And after watching it, I kind of fall on the, it was good, I don't think it was Oscar-worthy. Um, so, But I definitely did really like it, and I do think there's a lot of good things about it and good things in it. So... I'm really interested to have this discussion. Um, do you have what are your first positives for the movie? Um, my first positive is that they respected the the, the timeline in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they depicted slavery pretty pretty well from what from what I learned from it. Um, it was a pretty gruesome time and and all that. So I think they I think they actually respected the timeline pretty well. Um, and I think the overall performances in the movie were were, were, were well, um, especially including. Nate Parker, um, Archie Archie Hammer, um, he actually did pretty good as uh, as Samuel Samuel Turner, and uh, I think I think those two I think those are the two that really stand out in my mind right now. Uh, but I think they I think they I think they both had good chemistry together. Um, you definitely saw the dynamic that the two had, um, and I I like the set design that they also brought to to um, mm-hmm. to the to the to the to the screen so i thought it was all well well produced and, mm-hmm. and well acted as well oh yeah i definitely agree with you as um as as for like all the slavery type things and the very gruesome imagery in the movie it was at times it was very rough and very hard to watch um and that's kind of the point when it comes to these kind of things um unfortunately that's kind of how you have to do it and it i do think they did that really well a lot of the stuff was powerful um and actually, some of my favorite aspects of the movie were some of the imagery that they used. Like, they were, they were just, not in a pretentious way, but they would, like, go from a completely, like, a regular scene where they're showing people acting and things like that, to they would switch to just the this image. Like, one of my favorite ones was, um, I believe it was image of, it was a corn, a, 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 a cob of corn. And then it just started bleeding. And I just thought that was, it's just so powerful. Like, and they didn't even say anything. So I do like a lot of the imagery and a lot of the themes that they touched on in this movie. Um, and then you also mentioned the performances. And I do think Nate Parker was really good. I don't know if it was necessarily like best actor worthy. And I don't think he's going to get nominated just because of all the craziness. Um, but to me, and this might just be because of a show that I watch her on, um, but I don't know how to say her name. Aja Naomi King, um, she played the, she played Nate Parker or uh, Nat Turner's wife in the movie, and she was, she was so good. And it was, it really surprised me because I watch her. She is on the show, um, How to Get Away with Murder, and. Not that she's not good on the show, but she doesn't have much to do on the show, so I just didn't, like, think of her as any anything, really. I was just like, she's a 
okay actress. And then she, in this movie, she was really, really good, and she just surprised me. I just did not think she had that kind of performance in her. So she might have been my favorite performance in the movie. Um, I think uh, Jackie Earl Haley was really good as well. And then you also mentioned uh, Arnie Hammer. He was very good as well. So there were great performances all around in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, the standout for, for me was definitely Army Hammer. Um, uh, last thing I saw him in was, um, was, uh, that spy movie with Hen- Hen- Henry Cavill oh, and, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Man from yeah, Uncle. I think, yeah, I think he did pretty good in that movie too. So this mm-hmm. is, this, again, he did a pretty good job in this one. So I, um, it, it was pretty good. I think also some of the, also some of the, some of the screenplay, um, and, and some of the dialogue was also written pretty, pretty well as, as, as well. So, so the positives I got. I don't know yeah. if you got anything else. Uh, I do agree at parts on this. I think we're on the same page with the script, um, and we'll get to that in our negatives. But I, I do think a lot of the dialogue was written pretty well, um, and some of the characters were developed well and at a good pace. But let's just transition to our negatives now. Um, my biggest negative is the pacing of the film overall and then the pacing of the character development throughout this movie we are rushed right into it really quick at the top and we're kind of given a character and then something happens and we're supposed to feel for that character and i just didn't because we didn't we weren't given any time to become attached to this character and something just happens and like and there's a relation to nat um nat turner but we didn't even know that relation existed until after the thing happened. It's just so frustrating to watch because I was just like, you, you do, you do this and the script is written this way and they just didn't develop the character, these characters at all at the top. Um, so that was one of the more frustrating, just specific points to me. And then also, I just think they kind of rushed a lot of, a lot of the character development with Nat, um, Turner as well. And, that kind of goes throughout the entire film. Like, we're really rushed by the end. Like, the end of the movie just happens really quick. And um, it's very fast-paced. The It kind of cuts, and they don't show you um, how long some of these events took place. Like, um, Nat Turner's Slave Rebellion, it lasted, I believe, 48 hours. And honestly, it felt like, in the movie, it felt like it was maybe a couple hours. It just didn't... They didn't display that well, and I just think um, this was uh, Nate Parker's first directorial. This, this was his directorial debut, and I think it really showed it. He, while I do think it was well directed for a first-time director, there were a lot of times when I was like, "You can tell that this is his first time directing." Um, I sort of agree with you on the pacing. I mm-hmm. thought the pacing was actually rather slow. Oh. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, um, really, under, I, like, I agree with you when it comes to some character motivations, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, characters would abruptly just change, mm-hmm. um, and it would just take me out of the movie a bit, and, like, cause it wasn't actually them, it was, you know, it would just, it would just change just to fit that situation. So I agree with you there, but it's just, it's just getting up to the revolution, it felt really slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand what they were trying to do, but, it was. It just felt like a long time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it. Like we kept seeing, you know, something like something after something after something, and it was just like, 
understand that like I mean, I understand that this is what he saw, but it just felt that they could have maybe like pushed it just a little bit faster. I disagree you know I mean? wholeheartedly. It, <laughs> no, I mean that's it. Just felt like a long. It just felt pretty long, and then just Dude. for it, just and then I agree with you towards the end. It felt it felt rushed towards the end because you see him see everything that he goes through, only to have that just rushed at the end. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's why it, it felt long in the in the middle and then it felt really rushed towards the end so it just wasn't satisfying enough really if you're gonna have that long of a like if you're gonna have that long of a, of a second act mm-hmm. and you just cut the third act just really short it just really wasn't satisfying i i still completely disagree i to me i came out of this movie i believe i even said to miles after we watched it i i said i think this movie should have been and easily could have been and longer it it was there were a lot of times in the movie where they would just cut from event to event like you were just saying but it, it just you didn't feel the impact that you should have felt from those events like um the character or the person i kind of it's weird to say character when it's based on a real person but he would go to like go to these different um plantations and see the um the slaves and how they were being treated and he and then he would go to another one and it just showed like you didn't really feel, like obviously you're watching some of these very gruesome thing happen uh, gruesome things happen on the screen and so it's already kind of rough to watch but i feel like it just should have been a little we should have gotten a little more of a gut punch from them i didn't get enough i didn't feel um like I didn't feel like Nat Turner was changing through this. It just kind of happens. You know, he sees all these things, he sees all these things, and then all of a sudden he flips the switch. I feel like it should have been a little more of a gradual change, and I think a little bit more time at these events, at these different locations, would have helped with that. So I guess we disagree here. Either way, whether it was too fast or too slow, the pacing was definitely a problem in this movie. Agreed. Um. Um... Another, another thing I had to add, it was just, yeah, it's just some of the things, some of the scenery, um, like just, just, just like a few scenes, like where you see his wife mm-hmm. and like, it's like a white gown. Yeah. And it, it just kind of took me out of it. It's not like a huge spoiler. It's not a huge spoiler or anything, oh. but it's just like something that needs to be addressed. Some of the imagery that they show him. See, like, I like the imagery. I thought it, um, yes, it might be a little. I just felt, I just felt, it just felt out of place with the movie. Um, it, like if we're talk like if we're dealing with this, you know what I mean? I, like I, I don't think that we needed that. I think that took I I think that took out the realism of the movie. That just that's just my opinion, but that took out the realism for the movie for me. Um, this is an episode of disagreeing for us because, like I said in my positives, I loved the imagery in this movie. I thought they used it really well. I thought they kind of spaced it out pretty well, and it's not like they just threw it in at the end. They were using other things earlier on in the movie. Um, so I, I guess I disagree there, but another negative I did have was the, I, I know we kind of praised the dialogue and for the most part, I thought it was pretty good, but there were times when I think they got a little melodramatic and it just felt like they were trying to make this moment so very cinematic. Like they wanted to make it, um, like this big climactic thing. And it's like, but is that really how people talk like they were just like it was like they he wrote it to feel so like epic and it was just like i don't know that it was necessarily 
like that. But um, that's just a little thing that bothered me with some of the dialogue. I'm not saying it was a huge problem in the movie, but there were moments that it bothered me. That it felt just a little too cinematic and a little too clean cut um, and not as gritty as you necessarily would want it to be. Um, and also, this isn't a negative or a positive, really, but it needs to be mentioned. This was a very one-sided movie, I guess you would say. Like, they don't kind of show a lot of the necessarily extreme things that Nat Turner did during that rebellion. Um, and you can take that, like, you can, I know a lot of people would hate on that, hate on the movie for that. Um, I don't necessarily hold it against them because, Again, as Miles actually brought up the other day when I was talking to him about this, like if it was a movie about like the Revolutionary War and we we kind of romanticize that now, would we be complaining about it? And it's like you know, that, that's a fair criticism. So I don't really hold it against them. Um, but do you have any more negatives, Ozzy? Oh, that's it for me, man. All right, you want to score this movie? Um, I'm gonna give it a six point seven. Oh wow, six point seven. Um, yeah. That's a little lower than I was expecting, and it's actually a lot lower, actually, than what I, w- what I gave it. I gave it a 7.5. I do think it's a very good movie, just because I think a lot of, like, the imagery and what it has to say, and it's very powerful and impactful. And the performances, like I said, uh, that honestly might make the movie in and of itself. The performances were fantastic. So I do think it's a very good movie, and I think it definitely deserves to be seen by more people. Now, say what you will about everything else that's going on, and then if that's not why you're not seeing it, I get it. So, um, all right. Anyway, let's move on. I I am going to say something. I think that this is a good movie, but it's not something that it's for everyone. Um. I think that if if you're into history and, and stuff like that and you want to learn just a little bit more, then I think you, you can go into this movie. As far as the criticism goes around this um, around the actor and the creator of the movie, um, I think what someone said, I, I don't know who quoted this, but um, they, they go off of not the person's character, but for their art. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever happened with him happened but just i mean i would see it just for the pure art of it and just for the pure history i mean this is this is this is why i would go see it yeah um so that's 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 what uh i would say but uh just it's not it's not a movie that you have to rush out and, and go see it's, Fair it's, enough. it's 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 a it's a good movie that, the, that i do suggest that you guys go see fair enough all right ozzy let's move on to the girl on a train i think this is I think this is one that you probably ended up liking more than I did. So yeah. why don't you start us off here? What did you think of The Girl on a Train? I think the movie... I have two major problems with this movie. that that I have more positives for the movie, but mm-hmm. there's two major negatives for this movie. Um, my, my positives for this movie are definitely the performances. The performance in this movie were overall good performances but the ones that stand out to me for sure are rebecca Fer- ferguson and of course emily blunt emily blunt did a fantastic job in this movie i think she you may disagree with me here but i think she could possibly get nominated for this role because i think she did a fantastic job in this movie um and then also the story like the premise of the movie was also very interesting um it, it had me hooked from 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 the start i was like wow okay like this is kind of gripping me here and um that for the most part the cinematography worked for me i actually did enjoy the cinematography and some of the shots that they took um so i, I liked i liked mm-hmm. some of the camera work and all that so that's 
It's my pauses, man. All right. Um, I will agree with you on Emily Blunt. She was incredible. And this, I, I've seen tons of articles saying this, and I can't agree with them more. This is going to test the kind of thing that happens every once in a while um, with the Academy. Do you nominate an actor slash actress for a great performance in a subpar movie? That's what we're going to find out. That's what we're going to see. I think it's definitely possible because, like I said, Emily Blunt was incredible in this movie. Like, if you were not sold on Emily Blunt, this will sell you. Period. Yes, this was fan. She did a fantastic job in this movie. Fantastic. Um, and you, uh, you also brought up some of the supporting performances. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, I do agree she was very good, but to me, the other standout was Haley Bennett. And Haley Bennett keeps popping up and, and, you know, she's no longer kind of people, are, people originally and still kind of say, Oh, she's a, uh, What's her name? Jennifer Lawrence. She's a Jennifer Lawrence look-alike, um, and she definitely does look very similar to Jennifer Lawrence. But Haley Bennett is very good, and she's coming into her own. And I really do like her as an actress. But this is Emily Blunt's movie all the way around. She dominates the entire thing with just a very vulnerable performance. It's incredible. She she was very good, um, and that's definitely my biggest positive in the movie. Um, I will also say the story, I, I do agree that the story is there. There is a great story there. I will get to how it's told in a second. I will, yeah, I have. That's, that's, that's my negatives too, <laughs> the, man. The story um, is there, but it's, it's hard because you can't just pray, like, I can't keep this, hold this movie up just because there's a good story in there. The movie ultimately, it, movie and, Filmmaking is all about telling a story. So you can't just say, the story is there. It has to be told well. And I do not think this movie did that well at all, but we're leaking into our negatives. Um, I do think... Th- this is my last positive here. The last act was pretty good overall. Um, I think it was strong. It was well-paced. They finally got out of some of the issues they had with the storytelling, the things they got caught up in. And the the last act overall, I was pretty much engaged and locked in. So I do think it got better as it went along. But do you have any more positives you want to get into our storytelling issues with this movie? Let's get into the storytelling issues. Um, This is my first negative. The story is told, like, either half of it or a little more than half of it is told in a series of flashbacks. Oh, my gosh, yes. And... That was it, it. It got to the point where there was a flashback. I don't know if you remember this, Carlos. There was a flashback within a flashback. <laughs> it's like, true. I don't, it was so. Bad. It is true. It's true. I don't know. I don't know if you. I, I don't know if you noticed that. Like, yeah. It was literally a flashback within a flashback, and I was just like, "Is this really?" It took me out of the movie. I'm just like, "Is this really happening right now?" It's so um, bad. I'm telling you. Yeah, and I was, it, and it kept doing that, and I was just like, "What? Why can't we just tell the story?" Because it kept jumping back, and. The movie was all over the place as well when it comes to time. Like there, there mm-hmm. are there, there are points where they put like four months, two months, but they never address when the present is actually happening. So it takes you like a minute or so for you to be like, "Are we are we back?" Or oh, okay, we're back. So like, <laughs> so it takes you a, a minute or two to really get back into it. And then again, is my last positive. I mean, my last negative. Sorry, the narrative of the movie mm-hmm. is also all over the place because it's just like it's it's like i would assume that this is emily 
Blunt's movie, but what's her name? Uh, Emily, Emily, uh, you said her name. Um, um, what's her name? crap. I'm blanking now. Uh, <laughs> Haley Bennett. Okay. Haley Bennett. Yeah. Um, there's parts of her where it's coming from her side of the story. I was like, what? So like, what's going on? So it's, it's very, the narrative is all over the place. Right. <laughs> the movie is told in a series of flashbacks. Um, so it, it was all over the place and it was, that's, that's the thing that holds it back for me. Dude, I am um, chomping at the bit waiting to talk about how bad the narrative <laughs> and the focus was in this movie. It was god awful. Oh my gosh. It was so bad. The, like, I, like halfway through the movie even, I sat there and I was thinking like, this movie just has some of the worst narrative and focus in a film I've seen in a long time. It was so all, like you said, it was all over the place. That's a great way to describe it. Time wise, it was all over the place. What, who the main character was, it was all over the place. They did not know for all that is good in the world, how to tell this freaking story. They didn't know what angle to approach it from. They didn't know what time period they wanted to tell it from. Like it was just everywhere. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So we have these flashbacks. Like you said, there's flashbacks within flashbacks. They keep going back and forth and back and forth. And they didn't do it in any coherent way whatsoever. They just did it whenever they felt like it is do these flashbacks. And then, like you said, uh, with the narrative, I would say the word I would use for that is focus. Like they didn't know what focus or perspective to tell this story from. They, through the trailers, through the posters, everything, every advertisement we're given, we are led to assume that this is Emily Blunt's movie. This is about her character. That is not the case, my friends. It is not. They would tell this story from Haley Bennett's perspective, and they would go to there, and you're just like, okay, who's the mystery here? Is it, Are we supposed to be figuring out what's the case with Haley Bennett's character, or are we supposed to be figuring out what's really going on with Emily Blunt's character? We didn't know. They kept go- giving back and forth, and we're like, who, who is supposed to be our suspect here? Who are we supposed to be following? Who are you supposed to be rooting for? Who are we supposed to be suspicious of? Like, they would not tell us, and it was not in a, oh, they're keeping us on the edge of, edge of our seat, on our, on our toes, trying to figure it out. It was in a frustrating way. It wasn't in a good, this was not a positive thing that we couldn't figure out what was going on. This was a negative thing. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like the, the the bad thing about it is like those scenes weren't bad, but they were just confuddled in this mm-hmm. mess. And it was just it was crazy. I'm just like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know when we are. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so I think we are both pretty much agreeing here that there is a good story that they absolutely butchered and did not know how to tell in a coherent fashion. Correct? Yes, I completely agree with that statement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I had, um, I had no idea when... I could hear me clearly. I had no idea when we were. When <laughs> we were part in parts of this movie. Um, so, do you have any more negatives? I got one more to talk about. No, do you have any more? That, that's, that's my last negative. Okay. Those, mm. But those two are major negatives. Oh, yeah. They were the big ones. <laughs> they were definitely the big ones. Um... Okay, my other negative, this is a little, this is definitely more of a minor one, I guess. Um, I do think some of the way some of these scenes were shot and written were a little over the top. It was, it came across as a little melodramatic at times. Um, not like that wasn't like a huge problem in the movie. It wasn't like all, every single scene was overacted, but I do think there were times when I was like, again, I feel like I'm watching a movie. I'm not actually watching people react to these things 
Um, again, I don't know if you disagree or agree with that, but to me, I just felt like it came across as a little melodramatic at times. Not Emily um, Blunt. There were other performances, but whatever. No, I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought the actors did a good job in in general. I mean, I think, I think that's what really, I think that's what bumps it up for me mm-hmm. more than your more than you. But um, because it's not, it's not like I said, and I don't know if you agree with me. It's not like any of the scenes were horrible. The scenes were were greatly acted, and I mm-hmm. thought, in, in, I mean, the story had me interested in, in everything that. Especially some of the dialogue you were just I was intrigued by. But it's just the way it's edited and the way that it's it's put together, it's it that's what messes up the movie for yeah. me. That's honestly what messes it up. I mean, uh um, again, Emily Blunt really stole stole the show in this movie. Oh, if definitely. she's not nominated, I'm, if she's not at least nominated, I'm gonna be pissed because I think she really deserves a nomination. Um if she's not nominated, I'll get it just because of the quality of the movie, but I do agree she deserves it, so um, alright, I, I'll start off with the ratings for this movie, cause I think I'm probably gonna be a little lower than you. Um, no, Bobby, it is not going to be a 10. He is flashing 10s at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am at a 4.9 out of 10. I don't, wow, yeah, that I, is extremely low. I'm That's tell- lower than I actually expected. Uh, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's, you can't have a good story underneath and us be like, there's a good story there. It has to be told well, and it wasn't told well. The only thing keeping this movie afloat, honestly, is Emily Blunt's performance. That's it. Um, so you're probably going to be way higher than me, but here you go. I'm at a 6.9 with this movie. Um, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, again, it's not something that I would say you need to go see this movie. But the it's like I said, and I repeat it again, it, this, the scenes weren't bad. It's just the way they were put together. So... Um, I would definitely check it out. Like Carlos said, I mean, Emily Blunt did give a fantastic performance, but I don't think it's just her performance that, that keeps it, that keeps it afloat. I think all the performances from, from when it comes to Luke, Luke Evans, um, Haley Bennett and, and, and Rebecca Ferguson, I think they all did a great job and, and uh, a great job as well. So I do think that it's worth checking out at least. Um, so yeah. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> I, like I said, if you're completely confused and don't know what's happening in this movie, blame Ozzy because <laughs> not me. I'm no, you don't can, go see you, it. Can, you can you can blame me for not knowing when you are, but, <laughs> uh, but that's about it. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to what is probably going to end up being. Well, we're not going to make it the book because we still got the Star Wars Rebels discussion after this. But we're going to talk about Luke Cage now. Um, we're going to. Let's do five-ish minutes of spoiler-free, and then we'll just get into spoilers from there. We'll give you a spoiler warning once we get there. All right, so Ozzy, spoiler-free thoughts as of right now. What did you think of Luke Cage? I thought Luke Cage was a good show. Okay. Um, It it has problems. It has problems. Um, Especially with the last episode. I have major problems with the episode, but that is for spoilers <laughs> but it, it was overall a good show it's not something i'm excuse me it's not something that i would rush to go see it's not something i, I would say like you need to binge watch the show right now mm-hmm. um it's definitely worth a watch though it, it has some good action sequences and for some of some of the show the story is pretty interesting but other than that i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty good show i mean yeah. nothing 
Um, for me, for me, there there are things that this mm. show does better than the rest of the Marvel Netflix shows. There are aspects of it that are better than the rest of the Marvel Netflix shows. But honestly, I would probably put this as my least favorite of the Marvel Netflix shows thus far. That's not necessarily a detriment because I rate those other shows very highly. Uh, Daredevil season two was in my, I believe it was in my top five shows of the entire year last year. So these shows, they, they've set a high bar and I just don't think Luke Cage necessarily reached it, but I still think it's good and I do think it's worth watching, especially, uh, especially, especially, geez, I'm losing it here. Um, if, you are invested in this universe, you care about the MCU, and you care, even if you just care about the, um, Netflix MCU, I think it's definitely worth watching. So, um, but it does have problems, it does have issues, and we'll get there. Um, did you like the villain in this, or villains, I guess? I liked one of them. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you there. We, we'll get to, you want to just do spoiler, spoiler discussion now? Let's, let's do the spoiler discussion. All right. So, wait, to recap our spoiler free section here though, would you say watch this? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say watch it. I mean, it's, like I said, it's a pretty good watch, uh, but it's not something again that you need to binge watch right now. It's something I'd say you, you can take your time and, um, it's, I mean, if if you if you don't want to watch it, it's I mean, okay, you'll be missing out something for defenders. So true, you're lost. But um, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I, I would say it's worth a watch. It's not something like he was saying you need to rush to. Maybe watch it in some time before Iron Fist comes out. Um, but that's all I got for that. Um, all right, spoilers warning. As of now, if you have not seen Luke Cage. Um, watch it and then come listen to this or, you know, come back and listen to this whenever you get around to watching it. Um, so spoiler warning, you have been warned. Don't kill us. Ozzy, let's talk about those villains because I think that those are, if it's definitely my biggest issue is the villains. I don't know about you. It's one of my biggest issues. Okay. So my biggest issue is they could not for the life of them decide what villain they wanted to be in the show. It like we had what four or five episodes of of um Cottonmouth and then he gets pushed out a window and you're just like, okay. And then you have a time when you don't even like we're kinda left without a villain. You have Black Mariah, right? And then you have Shades. And you're kinda like, okay, these are what seem like two side villains and then we're all of a sudden and the last couple episodes introduced to Diamondback and we are rushed through his backstory rushed 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 through his backstory and it does not hold any weight this is something like them being brothers should have been such a huge deal it should have been well developed we should have been like oh this feels important that this conflict between them but it didn't it just felt like they kind of wrote that in there. It felt like, oh, we have to make them brothers. Here we go. And they're brothers, and that's it. Like, we didn't get any substance to that relationship whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I think Diamondback was definitely one of the major negatives I had on the show. <laughs> I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, I did not 
give a crap that they were brothers, and that is a problem. Exactly. They did not develop this th- their relationship whatsoever. You probably got like a you got one scene of them actually talking when they were kids, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a problem because I did again. I did not care about Diamondback. Diamondback to me was just a crazy guy who just wanted to kill Luke Cage because he just wanted to kill Luke Cage. Um, that was it. And that's what he was for most of it. And then all of yeah, a sudden, it's, it's like, oh yeah, they're brothers. And we're like, okay, <laughs> like they just like, threw it. I, in I there. don't care. Like you should have just left them like just Diamondback. Like <laughs> what type of name is Diamondback anyways? Well, like I think they were going for a snake type thing i don't know whatever um it was it was very strange it was um i think do you agree that cottonmouth was the good villain i think that cottonmouth was the good villain okay like we were literally getting into his character and i was just i was getting i was getting on board i'm like okay understanding cottonmouth i'm starting mm-hmm. to like cottonmouth i mean he had a he had annoying jokes and laughs at times but i mean that's that's besides the issue overall i thought he was a good villain I'm like okay i could get behind this guy and then he got pushed off a window by his cousin what a waste yeah it was what a waste so and random and anticlimactic too yeah that was over the top acting too i did i was i was so confused you know what i mean it, it, mm-hmm. it just happened I thought we were in a dream sequence. I had to rewind it just to make sure that we weren't because I'm just like, what is this actually happening? Because they set him up for, like, to be Luke Cage's villain. Exactly. It's in all the marketing. Yeah, and it's just like, and and on top of that, like, like, not Diamondback, Cottonmouth has him at, like, a pretty good spot right now. And I'm just like, oh, this is interesting. Like, we're getting somewhere, and then it ends. Mm -hmm. And over something ridiculous and i'm just i was upset i was yeah. you know she wasn't even uh, his cousin wasn't even a formidable villain in a sense and it was ridiculous not really and it was, but i i, I do I, like I just, her as a character i like her as a character but it's just they they made her they freaking rushed her her bad side so badly like mm-hmm. you you just killed somebody Hello, like that's your first kill, and you're over here. You're acting like it's fine. <laughs> like, hello, like, like yeah. it would have been more interesting. Like, if she would have, like, that would have made that negative mm-hmm. into like a at least like a neutral for me. If they would have worked on her character mm-hmm. more, but no, they just shoehorn Diamond back in here, and then here yeah. we go. It's it's a showdown, and um, that last episode just oh, did not like to see the finale of this show. <laughs> Um, I do like, um, because, alright, Shades is a character we're introduced to pretty early, and at first I did not like him, I just thought he was very, like, random, like, who is this guy, we don't care, and then we're kind of given it in, like, a backstory episode with Luke Cage in prison, who he is, and then it just was like, okay, so it's like a coincidence that he showed up, and obviously it ended up not being a coincidence, but whatever, he just felt kind of just there, I ultimately did end up liking, though, by the end. It took a while to get there, I think. It took a while to get there, but... Shades, I Shades did is end, random, man. I, I, Shades but I, just... I ended up liking Shades and Mariah <laughs> together by the end. I think they had some rough patches here and there where I was just like, I don't think they work as a team at all. And then, But, but by the end, I do think they had decent chemistry by the time they finished shooting this season. So... 
Um, I did like that. Uh, I do agree. Cottonmouth was the best villain. He was very charismatic. Um, and you could see that just his willpower was what was keeping him alive against basically an indestructible guy. And he just, without any powers, like he was interesting and he was formidable and he, you could believe that he would be a rival to Luke Cage. And then we're introduced, like you said, to Diamondback, who they kind of give powers, not really, but kind of, and you're just like, but now we're just turning into a punching fest, and that's kind of my other issue, my other big issue with the show. One of the best things about these Netflix shows is something that we saw very early on from just the trailers in of Daredevil, and now one of the most iconic shots of Daredevil is when he is still in his black costume, actually. When he is on the ground, it's pouring rain, he's bleeding from everywhere, all over his face, got blood, and he's pushing himself off the ground. That's one of the most iconic shots from that show, right? And that kind of symbolizes... um the great thing about the early parts of this Marvel um, Netflix show, right? That these heroes can get hurt. They are vulnerable. They feel very ground level. They feel very gritty because they can get hurt. We relate to them because they can get hurt. The problem with Luke Cage is he cannot get hurt, basically. Obviously, we're introduced to these bullets that can hurt him, but... Basically, he cannot get hurt. He's invulnerable. It's hard to relate to him. And the fighting style is very just, we're going to run into things and we're going to punch things. And it's just boring to watch. Like, he's getting shot at and he punches things. Like, that's that's basically it. It's not as visually interesting of action as we're used to with these Netflix shows. Even Jessica Jones, which can be a little more, she's just going to punch her way out of situations. She could still at least get hurt. And they they actually went through... um Basically, the entire thing with Jessica Jones was that it was more of a mental um, kind of thing. And that was not the case. They just went pure, like, physical in this show. And I don't think it was for the better. That's, could, that's cool for one scene, right? But if you see over and over again, every action scene is just people shooting at him and then him punching his way out. It's boring to watch. I'm sorry. I agree with you there. I mean, it was... It was just a lot of the same stuff with, with Luke Cage and... Um, I wish they actually would have showed him fighting like a, you know, in a more awesome style, I would yeah. like to say. Um, I didn't even like his weakness, to be honest with you, because it just felt like they, I don't even know if that's like in the comics. I really don't mm-hmm. know, but it just, if that just felt so random to me. The bullets? Just, yeah, because I'm just like, first of all, how do you know that this could hurt him? Cause it's, it's still metal. And yeah, but I like, mean, they had to come up with something, and it's not like you're going to give him a rock that's his weakness. They're not going to copy Superman, so I'd rather have that than than <laughs> really. Than, yeah, man, it just that felt so forced to me, like just to have like that bullet, and it's just like it, it wasn't even tested. So the fact that it just happened to me, it, it, like just happened all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I just didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like the bullet, and it was just I don't know, man. It just felt really forced mm-hmm. to me. I mean, at least that that weapon. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you're agree or not, but uh, I I disagree. I do think the weapon worked overall because 
Um, every time that it was used, it felt like you felt it because, and I guess that's one thing they did do well is like they built him up to be so invulnerable. And it might be, might have been annoying to watch because it was boring to watch him just be invulnerable, but they built him up to be so invulnerable that when he finally is shot and something happens to him, you feel it and you're like, oh my gosh. Like, and I thought that was overall pretty effective. Um, and that actually did lead to, Honestly, one of my favorite episodes of the season is when Luke Cage is kind of basically unable to do anything the entire episode. When him and Rosario, Daw- Rosario Dawson's character are trying to figure out how they can fix this and how they can get him back to normal. And they go to the doctor that caused it, caused his, um, powers in the first place. It's, I, I did, that was actually one of my favorite episodes of the season. I can't remember what the episode number, um, that one was. So I, I did like the bullets overall. Okay. All right. Do you have what are what are some of your other negatives? For we're going in opposite order here. We'll get to our positives because there are positives. This this is, overall, I think we both said it was a good show. But you have any more qualms with it? The season finale was probably the worst season finale I've seen on a Netflix Marvel show. Jeez. Um, <laughs> dude, I just did not like the season finale. the The fight scene was so cheesy to me. They're yeah. all chanting Luke, Luke. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then the fact that he's just like, you can kill me, and then he still fights. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, what yeah. are you doing? You just said you're gonna let him kill you. Like, like you just lied to your own brother. And it's just like, <laughs> and then again, it's just like they show that his he can defeat him if he just takes off that battery. Mm-hmm. And he looks at that battery, and he still doesn't take it off. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, what, come on. Like, what are you doing? And um, I would expect, I mean, every time, but like, you know, the past shows, like the past two seasons of Daredevil and the last and, and, and Jessica Jones, the season finale, it, it ends up in like this big showdown. Mm-hmm. This one, the showdown happens for 20 minutes. And then we have 30 minutes, 30 extra minutes of this Luke Cage sitting in, sitting in the police office Trying to try shades and 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 uh, Cottonmouth's cousin, nothing happens. He goes to jail, and there we go. Like, um, really? Okay, uh, I was just. I agree to an extent. Now that you kind of put into words what happened with the fight, I get where you're coming from. And let me actually. This is the mental image that came to me when you were talking about how cheesy it was when they were chanting Luke, Luke, Luke. Honestly. That reminds me, now that you say it like that, that reminds me of Amazing Spider-Man 2. When they are all, when Spider-Man's fighting the villain there, and you, you, like, it's all, it's, he's fighting Electro, and they're all in the middle of the seat, and, uh, in the middle of the city, and everyone's just circled around the fight, and they're all chanting, Spider-Man! Like, it's just so stupid, it's like, there's absolute chaos and disaster happening, and people are standing there cheering? Like, really? Really? You don't think people would be running? And... I do, I, that, you're right, that, the fight was not very, I didn't love it when it happened, but now that you say that, I'm just like, you're, yeah, you're right, that wasn't very well done. The aspect of the finale I do disagree with you on is the second half, because I thought that was, worked pretty well, I thought, because, it was a continuation of the themes of the entire show. By the end, it became a, it became about the flaw, the flaws in our justice system, honestly. That's what it ended up becoming about how Mariah could just get away with whatever she wanted because she was politically connected. 
And that's what a lot of that was about. And that's what, um, Misty, that's what she was just, she, M- Misty Knight, who, by the way, we always get one of these characters in these, um, Marvel Netflix seri- series that I'm just like, we need a show just about them. Misty Knight was the one in Luke Cage where I'm like, I would watch a Misty Knight show. She was awesome. But <laughs> whatever. Um, so <laughs> she, um, she, you could see she's getting very frustrated with the system that she's a part of. And that's why I really liked that stuff. And then as for him going to jail, I think that was just a lot of setup for maybe defenders, I guess, because after, um, Iron Fist, it'll be defenders. So maybe that's set up for defenders or even Iron Fist, honestly, it could be because in the comics, Iron Fist and Luke Cage are basically best friends. So we'll see if that ends up carrying over. Um, although I do have some theories that we'll get to in a minute. Um, but yeah, it, I, I kind of agree with you on the finale. So, all right, let's just, let's talk about positives here. Ozzy, what are some good things about the show that you did like? I think the performances were overall great. I mean, mm-hmm. like Mike Coulter as, as Luke Cage, as much as we like talked about, um, him fighting and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. he did do a pretty good job. I mean, you are rooting for him. Oh, he is a likable character. So, I mean, you you did like him. Simone Misik is the one who plays Misty Knight. I think she did a fantastic job Love as Misty, Misty Knight. Um, I mean, you you get annoyed with her a bit, and at the same time, like you still love her though, because you mm-hmm. understand where she's coming from. So, you know, she's also a character to root for. Um, Rosario Dawson always does a great job as Claire. I, you know, you're again, you're rooting for Claire. Yeah, Claire's talk- always caught. Claire's always caught in like the middle of something. Oh like, yeah, dude. Like, let's talk like, about always. Claire for a second. Um. She has, she's basically like this pocket of the MCU's Coulson, right? Yeah. She's the one who kind of connects everything together. And I love that. And this is the show that kind of, I mean, you could say that maybe it's Daredevil season one that she shined the most in, but honestly, it's probably this show because through her relationship with Luke Cage and we're able to learn a lot about her. We're able to, um, get more connected to her as a person and as a character than we ever have been. And I really thought they did that well. And I thought their relationship, their relationship worked really well because she was the only one who kind of, she was the only one who was able to stand up to Luke and to say, no, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. We're not going to like, she, she wasn't falling for any of his like sweet Christmas crap. Like she was just like, no, we are like, she, she just gave it to him straight. And I do think that relationship worked really well. Um, cause even Misty Knight w- stood up to him a little bit, but she obviously we see at the beginning of this series, she fell for his, um, you know, his good looking self very easily. So it, it, it was just, um, I do like the relationship. I really did like it actually. Um, I'm interested to see if it carries forward because. Um, we know that Luke Cage and Jessica Jones kind of have this past and what, how that'll work out. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna be so, pissed, man, cause, cause they're actually married in the comics and, you know, they, they got a little family going on. So, I know. You know we'll, um, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, we, we gotta see, man. Jessica Jones, <laughs> Jessica Jones, you better be ready. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> competition. Uh, yeah, but I, I do really like, um, her character and, um, you, you mentioned Misty Knight. Were you as in love with Misty Knight as I was? But I was in love with Misty Knight. I Thank was just like, no, I, when I thought, like, when I thought that Diamondback was going to kill, I was going to be so mm-hmm. pissed. Like, I was like, I might quit watching the show right now. Because, <laughs> like, because I'm just like, she's one of the best characters there. And 
it, it would have been I would have been angry if they would have mm-hmm. just killed it off like that. So I'm glad that they didn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, we are running out of time here, so let's quickly talk about some other positives with with it. Um, do you have any more specific things or no? Um, the I think they built the relationship between him and Pop pretty well, actually. Yes. I don't know if you I don't know if you Pop was a great character. Not, but Pop was a fantastic character. I understand why they killed him, but I wish they didn't kill him. But <laughs> I, I like it was. Um, he was just, he was such a great character. Um, such a great father figure to, to the cage. Cause you, I don't know if you feel that way. I'm just like, you know, pop, pop's pretty nice. Pop's pretty nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to hang out with pop. Like, I want to go to his barber shop and, and hang out with pop. <laughs> um, cause he was, he was such a great character. And, uh, just, just seeing, uh, what they did with this character was fantastic. So I have to give it out to that actor who played pop. Yeah. You know what? I actually think pop worked, worked better as a character when he was dead. I it, honestly, I know that's weird to say, but he had a bigger impact on the show when he was gone because, um, when he was there, yes, he was an interesting character. I really liked that. He had the swear jar and they kind of were playing with the fact that Luke Cage doesn't cuss. And I thought that was really cool. And then, um, but then when he was dead, like he, it felt like the show lost some, like these characters lost something and it had an impact on how they acted. So it's almost like after he left the show, he had a greater impact than when he was on it. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I, can, did think I, that I can agree with you there. I mean, just definitely between some of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely felt it more when it was Luke Cage and Cottonmouth pitting up against each other. Yeah. Because this was, this is basically Pop's protege in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. Pop's trying to help Blue Cage out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then on top of that, Cottonmouth was Pop's former best friend. Yeah. So it's definitely like you have two men who are also very close to Pop. I mean, I really enjoyed the funeral scene with um with them both giving speeches and stuff like that because, you know, they they were both inspired by the same man. Yeah. But they're both and completely different sides of the law. Oh, so yeah. it was a very interesting dynamic. And every time that they spoke, you know, I was always hooked because these are, I mean, they're practically sort of the same person, but they're in different sides of the law. I mean, obviously Luke mm-hmm. Cage has like different powers, but like they both work hard for what they earn and, and all that. So, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely like a very, it's disappointing that uh, yeah. Cottonmouth was, was just so killed early on because mm-hmm. He, like, their dialogue and, and definitely their relation, that the, the, their relationship that connected them together, which is mainly pop, mm-hmm. was fantastic. Um, I think one of the, I think one of the best lines in the movie, like, a, one of the best scenes that they had was, was when Cottonmouth fired him. He's just like, by the way, you're fired. And he's like, no, I'm not. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, um, definitely, definitely some of the best stuff with, was with Cottonmouth as well. Oh, yeah. He, the guy, the guy who played Cottonmouth, um, Mar Marcella Ali, mm-hmm. um, he did a fantastic job as Cottonmouth. I have to give him props there. He did a fantastic job as Cottonmouth. Very, yeah. very brute character. I liked him a lot. Um, and I, I'm glad you brought up the um, the funeral scene because that kind of epitomized what I loved about the first couple episodes of this, where it was more about not Luke Cage and him like punching his way through things. Um, because he ultimately kind of became Harlem's like Iron Man, basically, where he was just out in the open, like, I'm a superhero and this is who I am by halfway through the show. But in the first five episodes, when he was still basically hiding who he was, 
Um, it was more about like the political posturing and like the, I'm going to say this so I look good. And then Cottonmouth would say something. So he looked like the good guy and then Mar good guy. And then Mariah would say something. So Luke Cage looked like a villain. And then Luke Cage would go, no, I'm not a villain. Like it became more about public opinion and trying to get the public's trust. And that's what I did really like about the first couple of episodes. Cause it was less about Luke Cage punching his way through things. It was more about him, talk his him talking his way out of things. So that's yeah, what I, I really liked about that. Um, and also, I do think that there were a, I did like some of the Marvel Easter eggs that they threw in there, a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, they actually, I mean, this actually, I mean, if, if people are complaining that this feels a lot disconnected, I mean, they mentioned the Avengers, yeah. a, they mentioned the Avengers a lot mm -hmm. in this, in this particular show, they mentioned them a lot. Um, they're like, I mean, Cottonmouth, he's just like, oh, you're, are you this, are you Harlem's Captain America? And it yeah. was like, okay, like, and they mentioned Thor and, and, and Hulk and mm -hmm. um it's sort of annoying at this point that they still use um the Avengers incident still. Like yeah. they don't they don't catch like it's still that main thing that they talk about. It's so I'd wish that they'd actually like huh. I mean, continue but it, on. It, it took place in um it took place understand, in like, New York, understand, so it's hard. Yeah, I understand, I understand why they did it, but I wish that they would, you know, sort of you know, pick up a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's the Avengers Tower there, you know, there's just stuff like, I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, I wish that we would hear, like, reference to Spider-Man, because he, he's in mm -hmm. New York, so I just wish that we would sort of move on mm -hmm. with that, but, but again, I mean, they, I mean, if, if, if you guys, if you guys are saying that this feels completely disconnected from the MCU, I, I have to disagree with you, because they mention a lot in, in this particular show so oh yeah if that's if that's what you had a problem with i would say watch this show because they actually do a they address that problem uh-huh and i actually this is something i've been saying after watching this and kind of like also seeing the per, uh, the direction that these netflix shows are going with we're going to iron fist next which is a mystical based character and now the movies they're dr strange we're going in a mystical direction um, and even on network television, we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're going, like, they're on a, um, Ghost Rider season. So that's mystical. We're all, they're all kind of moving in a mystical direction at the same time. So honestly, yes, while some, in some ways it does feel disconnected, they're moving pretty synch, they're pretty synchronized in where they're going at the moment. Um, I do have some questions about, um, Technically, and this is something that keeps getting brought up on Agents of Shield. They're they're dealing with the ramifications of the Sokovia Accords. With you, you can't be a superpowered person just doing being a vigilante. So technically, I always have these questions of, well, why isn't Shield like doing something about Luke Cage? But you know, whatever. That's just something that people who are super connected to this universe is going to complain about. So it's not a big deal. Um, one last big positive I have for Luke Cage before we kind of wrap things up because we're running pretty late here. Um, my big positive is that this more than any other of the Netflix shows, this is the thing where I was talking about where um, they did it the best of any of the Netflix shows. I cared about this particular city because of how they presented it and because of the way the show you could tell the show and the creators of the show cared about harlem 
I cared about Harlem because of how they did it and because of the way they shot it, because of the way they talked about it, and because of the way they presented these people. I cared about these people. I cared about this city more than any other, like, I don't care about Hell's Kitchen, right? Like, and Daredevil was able to make you go, oh, maybe we should, like, you, you think about these people that you never thought about before. Harlem, or what, what they did for Harlem in Luke Cage, they did it better than any of the other Netflix shows. It was so well done. Like, they just put so much heart, and you could tell that they cared about where they were shooting, about the people that they were representing. And you could tell that in the way they shot it, in the way Luke Cage talked about it, in the way he represented the city, and the way they kind of stood behind him. Um, even when they f- faltered a little bit, when Luke Cage would screw up or when they would say that he was doing something, I thought they did that really well. I agree with you there. I mean, I think they definitely represented the the city in a in a great way. I mean, this is you you really did care about the city. Um, I kind of disagree with you when you said that you don't care about Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen, but I, mean, um, I didn't. I do now, but I I still I care about Harlem more because of Luke Cage. I thought they did it better than Daredevil has. Okay, I mean, I I can agree with you there. I mean, I mean, I guess this one really focuses on on sort of the the city more mm-hmm. than than Daredevil did. I mean, Daredevil, oh, yeah, yes, definitely. he he cares he cares he loves the city, but um, um, he that the last season was more just you know the rivalry between Punisher and 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 then uh-huh. Elektra just coming in. So I mean, I, I, can, I can I can give you that. Um, real quick, I want to talk about a quick theory I have. Um. Which, I, I don't even know if this is that big of a theory because she's been such a connective tissue between these shows. But I think um, Rosario Dawson's character, Claire, is going to play maybe a big part in Iron Fist. Um, she Because, she, I don't know if you noticed this, but at the end she grabs um, uh, the phone number from one of those flyers. And it's like for, for a um, karate class or something like that. She's she's going to be taking a class with Danny Rand. It's going to happen. I think she's going to play at least a decent-sized part in that show. And I think she's going to continue to be the um, um, the connective tissue. So, I mean, maybe. I mean, um, I'd say the ones that really know how to fight her are definitely Daredevil and Iron Fist. I mean, just from the trailer of Iron Fist, I'm just like, damn, you can... Yeah. You are a powerhouse, but you, you also know how to fight. That is awesome. So, I mean, I think that's uh, definitely uh, yeah. definitely would be awesome. I was really hoping we'd get Daredevil, or at least um, Matt Murdock, in this season of yeah, Luke Cage. Because she kept bringing they, him up, and she kept yeah, going, I have a lawyer I could call. And they never brought him in. It was a little annoying, but... Yeah, like I wish when, when she said, yeah, when she said, she's like, I can bring a lawyer. And I was like, we're going to get Matt Murdock. And he's like, I don't need a lawyer. I'm just like, damn you, Luke Cage. <laughs> damn you. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm on the same page there. Um, any more thoughts on Luke Cage? No, man. No, it, it, that, that's it for me. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for me. I'm sure I've got a bunch of random thoughts I'm going to kick myself through or not um, talking about after. But whatever. I, I do think that... It was pretty good, and I'm glad I watched it. Um, like I said, I don't think it's the best of the Netflix shows, but it's, it's worth watching. All right, let's real quick, Ozzy, keep it short because we're running out of time. Recommendations. Ozzy, what do you got? The Ranch. Okay. <laughs> that was quick quick and easy. You did talk about it a little bit at the top. Um, I, I watched the first couple episodes. I didn't love it, but 
hey, maybe I need to stick to it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty funny sitcom. Um, nothing. Nothing is it, there is there is there is sort of a m- annoying moments, but overall it's, it's a funny sitcom. It's it's an easy binge. It's only twenty episodes, and the episodes are like t- around thirty minutes long. So All easy right. binge if you guys want to watch a new sitcom. So just a recommendation right there. All right, fair enough. Um, my recommendation. I was battling about what I wanted to be, but I think I decided on the one that I originally wanted to be. Gone Girl is my recommendation. I think it is the better told version and the better probably overall story of girl on a train people are comparing it to that and i know people who read the books will probably hate that people keep comparing it to gone girl but gone girl was amazing and i think if you want to watch some mysterious story like this about what is really happening with this woman and who killed this other person like if you want to watch that kind of story watch gone girl stay home rent it uh find it on demand i'm sure it's on demand somewhere Oh, that is the dog saying hello. Um, and that is our cue to go. Um, we will actually be signing out from our Rebels recap. So I'll be sending it over to our Star Wars Rebels recap with Jesse. Thanks for joining us. Or thanks for joining us for this part. Um, Ozzy, thanks for being on this part. And we will sign out from Rebels recap. Stay tuned. We are here for another Rebels recap, and this this was actually a surprisingly good episode. Well, I'm, I don't know if surprising. I was looking forward to it. Were you looking forward to it? I was. As soon as I saw that Wedge was going to be involved, then exactly. I knew it was going to be good. And we don't get a whole lot of episodes that follow just Sabine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but this was definitely kind of a filler episode, yeah. but a good filler episode. Mm-hmm. It's not like they were just trailing off on something that didn't matter. Well, I think it it's kind of like it could be filler if they don't use Wedge later on, but if they end up using him a lot, then ultimately it could end up being pretty important. And it's very true that they don't use Sabine a lot, and they even kind of say that at the beginning when they're like, you're the most unrecognizable. It's like, well, yeah, I that's feel like, for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I feel like that was the writers realizing, hey, we're not using this really great yeah. character as much as we should. I mean, obviously, there's a practical explanation of she wears a helmet all the time, which is true. But still, I do think there was some of that in there as well. Exactly. So uh, let's get into the episode. Oh, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, so we start off, and they're just immediately throwing in that uh, they need that there's some people wanting to defect. Uh, they're getting some some stuff in from a fulcrum agent, which before now mm-hmm. was always Ahsoka. And that answers a question yes. <laughs> and proves that Ahsoka is dead. Thank you. Ahsoka is dead, people. Give it up. Yeah, because that that's the whole thing from well, the first Aftermath book that just came out uh, a while or came out a while back ago. Mm-hmm. It mentioned that Wedge ran missions for Fulcrum and everybody's like, Oh, Ahsoka's still alive because they haven't rescued Wedge yet, but yeah. Ahsoka's not in this and yeah. so anyway. Ahsoka's dead, guys. <laughs> Accept it. Yes. And it was a great death. 
I do it, think it was a great death. I, I do too. I agree. People are like, oh, they would have killed her on screen. And it's like, okay, whatever. All right, back to the episode. <laughs> back to the episode. So the, Sabine goes back into her Imperial mode because we forget a lot of times she was an Imperial cadet. I don't even know if I knew that. I'm sure they told us in the show, but I don't remember that. I don't think they've mentioned it since season one. Yeah. But she uh, goes undercover as an Imperial cadet to find out who the defectors are that want to join the Rebels because we don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, she meets them pretty quickly, which was good. And, uh, yeah, we see uh, them go out on a mission which uh, and get killed by the ghost, but then it was a simulation. Yeah. So that was a neat <laughs> little touch uh, that they're tr- specifically training TIE fighter pilots to kill yeah, the cast of Rebels. <laughs> which Rebels is going to end horribly. Um, <laughs> that's another side note there. Um, what did you think of kind of people in the Empire that are wanting to defect and, like, they signed up? I thought that conversation with the three pilots who wanted to defect, very interesting. I, I did find it really interesting because they're all talking about this is what we signed up for. Yeah, um, yeah. The, well, I think... I mean, they all joined wanting to just join the military and help fight. They didn't realize that their moral codes were going to be compromised. And I think that's a great thing to show because even in the comics that have Mm -hmm. been recently coming out, it's a few issues have just followed stormtroopers Mm -hmm. and showed them that they're not just blank slate killing machines, but that they're human. And they might not want to do what they're doing, but they're following orders or they die. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, for the other, obviously we know Wedge is somewhat important at least, but what about the other two? Do they have any significance in canon? Do we need to be concerned about them as characters or? Well, I mean, one of them's dead. Well, yeah, fair the, enough. The black guy died. Of course. Um, <laughs> so now there's we're only back to three black people in the Star Wars universe again. Yep, diversity. You know, I mean, aliens are... Diverse enough, I guess. Fair. Um, but anyway, um, I don't really know who he could be. I personally hope that he gets really fat and turns into porkin. <laughs> I feel like that would be a wonderful little thing. That, that would be pretty But funny. I think he's just... Yeah. They didn't want the re- them running a mission to just go rescue one guy. They're yeah. Like, well, what's the point in that? Exactly. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing. I I really want Wedge to be more involved in the show, and um, I really like the voice actor as well. So I'm. I'm I have some theories about Wedge being more involved later on. Okay, but I'm not going to get into it because it would take way too long. If the audience wants to hear a little more about that, then let us know. Yes, and we'll talk about that. Exactly. Um, Is there anything else in this episode? I mean, they go and they rescue. or uh, Sabine, sorry, Sabine, blanking yeah, Sabine. there. Sabine goes and she rescues, um, or she infiltrates them. And like, I, they had the key card and that didn't work at first. Like, and then it works the second time. I was confused by that. Did she do something? She blew on it and wiped it on her sleeve. Yeah, so like, I guess it works like a Nintendo 64 cartridge. Maybe, <laughs> I guess but it was really weird because they spent a good amount. Like they took a beat to like, this is, we're going to do this. And I don't know. I think it was just to build up really tension. Random. Like, oh no, is she going to make it? Yeah. But it anyway. It didn't really work. It just made me confused. Um, but whatever. Only two <laughs> other things really that I got out of this episode. There were some great 
TIE fighter fights, mm-hmm. by the way. It's great space battles. I love seeing TIE fighters anytime, mm-hmm. especially the interceptors. I could talk about that for a while, too, but because there were some nods there, but I'm not going to. Again, let us know if you want to hear it. But um, we saw Callus again. He helped them yes. escape. That pr- That's another thing that we said from the beginning. We think Callus is going rebel. I think he's one of the fulcrum informants. I think that's I, that's a good call. I thought of that during the episode as well. Um, man, I, I do. We, we even said, I believe, in our first recap yeah. that yeah. he was going to go rebel. And I do think that that's where we're going, especially after that last episode or that one episode from last season with Zeb. Um, I, I think that's where it's going. And it makes sense for him to already be there and it to be a surprise, especially since they continue to hide the voice of Fulcrum every time we have a new one, apparently. Yep. So it's pretty much going to be a reveal. I think he's going to be, end be? up killing Thrawn. Because, I mean, in Legends, nobody could beat Thrawn. He was literally killed by one of his own bodyguards. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a wonderful opportunity to use Callus and mm-hmm. make. I mean, I think he'll die in the process too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I also really loved in this episode we saw more of Governor Price. She was just mm-hmm. kind of thrown in there on us, and they're building her as a character. Exactly. She's, she's willing to do what others aren't. She was going to torture some teenagers to get some information out yeah. of them. And she was also kind of she was pretty good in hand hand combat as well. So that was surprising. Not as good as the Mandalorian. No, Sabine, but, but she was good. And, really good. Yeah. Um, I, I I do like that as well because they kind of you're right. They just threw her in there, and she was just she kind of seemed like just another one of those faceless Imperials, um, which but, most of them literally are faceless. Yes. Their hats cover their face. exactly. Um, that's because they don't want to animate them, but <laughs> I don't think that's a bad move. Though. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Um, so I, I do like that they're fleshing her out and I think she's ca- probably kind of replacing, she's taking Callus's role because of what they're ultimately going to do with Callus. Right. Which I like that we're able to see it a million miles out, but it's still, I think it's effective. Yeah, so. me too. And it's not going to be, I feel like there's still going to be a lot of, uh, going back and forth and all that. Mm-hmm. And all that so. Yeah. Anything else from this episode that's worth talking about? Um, not that I can think of. Like I said, some theories, some nods to old legend stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into that now. Uh, you could you... probably talk like 30 minutes just on the ships that were in this episode. Oh, so. easily. <laughs> all, ships are my favorite. <laughs> well, not really, but they're pretty high up there. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think that's, for the most part, that is our... Rebels recap for episode three. Is this? Yep. Three. So that's that's pretty exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, Once again, I want to thank Eli, um, who is basically, he makes all the music we randomly need for this podcast. Thank you for the Star Wars music that we've got. That's pretty awesome. Royalty free Star Wars music. Yes. Um, So that, it works really well and I'm, very glad that he is on our team and willing to do that stuff on very short notice sometimes. Um, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, so this has been the Rebels recap, and this is also, I will be signing out for the entire episode. So for Jesse, myself, and Ozzy, wait, let's do social media really quick. Jesse, where can people find you? You can find me at, at, at Colonel Swink. 
on uh, Twitter and Instagram, or you can email me Star Wars questions and suggestions at jesse.swink at screenfellows.com. Awesome. And then you can also find Ozzy at Castro Ozzy on Twitter. You can find me at Shuri456. And also make sure you follow Screenfellows on social media. That would help us out a lot. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. Find it. Like it. Follow it. Whatever. Just do it. Um, and then also, please make sure you rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That would help us out a lot. You do not understand how much that would help us out. Do it, please. It takes like five seconds. Um, and then you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, all that stuff. And then also YouTube. We got a lot of cool YouTube videos coming out pretty soon, so check that out. So, for Jesse, Ozzy, and myself, this is Screen Ghost.